0: You began the week talking about the COVID, and you ended talking about the war.
1: Well, not really talking about the the war. Well, <laughs> it all depends on how history decides these things. Because I was going to say, I'd like to get to World War III just as soon as we can.
0: Well, oh, before we get too far, this is This Week in Common Sense, starring Paul Jacob.
1: I don't mean that like the democrats mean it apparently <laughs> in full disclosure people should know you're not a republican you're not a democrat you're kind of a libertarian uh guy yeah
0: yeah uh, though I, i'm I, though i'm strongly anti-democrat right now i've never been against a party more than now because to me they're crazy yeah. you know when i was
1: young they seemed
0: half rational
1: well, I think both parties were a little bit more rational when we were younger. I think that's true. Um, yeah, I think it's it's uh, most of the major trends throughout politics in our lifetime have not really been Republican Democrat. You know, so much of it has had completely bipartisan support. So much of what we've opposed, um, but there there's an element out there now, and it's it's. On the Democratic side, it's not all Democrats, but it's it's uh, it's got a huge sway among office holders and active apparatchiks uh, on the Democratic side, and that is everything from critical race theory and anti-racism, racism, and and uh, you know this whole idea that who are parents to decide what their kids might you know might ought to learn. Uh, and and or which body parts they should snip off? Yes, yes. Well, and that's that's up to that's up to individuals. Yeah, but, but it's not
0: up to children, it,
1: right? Well, and it's not up to the schools. Even if it were up to children, it wouldn't be up to the schools. And that's you know that's the you know the, we we have a, we also have gone through this pandemic. Uh, with the safest place to do business of any part of the economy being the schools and with that being shut down the most it seems like of all parts of the economy and and what's that about that's not follow the science that's follow the politics and shows the the power of the teachers unions and and you know, I don't think most classroom teachers come up with the crazy stuff that the the, the academic, you know, education theorists come up with, um, but but it's it's created a, a heck of a backlash, and it's coming, uh, interestingly enough, from people of all colors, uh, white being a color too, and and you know, in Virginia, uh, you had an awful lot of hispanic and asian and black and white parents saying the same thing what the heck are you trying to do with our kids we want you know and so i think there is some reason to be really scared i think the other thing is uh that i sometimes think about all of this at this point is in getting through these scripts to fridays uh how to avoid world war three is that we may already be sort of in world war 3 and and i'm look i'm a a draft resistor i'm a lifelong non-interventionist when it comes to foreign policy who thinks that we probably are in world war 3 and if we don't show a little muscle and a little common sense could could end up being in world war 3 that the only way to to stop uh, folks like Putin, but he's he's not alone. Uh, Xi Jinping is much more of a threat. And the truth is part of the reason that they're not as easy to stop as they should be is because the United States of America has, I don't know what the right word would be, but let's say fooled around a lot in stupid things like Afghanistan and, and Iraq and and so on and 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 through through you know going back a century all over you know creation, especially in, in Central and South America and and that has created problems. We have not our foreign policy pretends of course to be all about freedom and democracy and it's not and hasn't been. And that's a problem. And I used to think, well, it can't be i mean it's just never going to be and maybe maybe not not perfectly certainly but i have come to the position that right now we have the worst of all possible worlds we have 67 countries that we've said we will defend you uh and that doesn't include your Euro- uh, Ukraine, although, uh you know we certainly had a funky treaty to get missiles out of out of uh ukraine where we pledged not to attack them and russia pledged not to attack them and i think even the united the united kingdom pledged not to attack them and uh, hey they're two out of three <laughs> so <laughs> maybe some people might argue that the u.s has, has done things that that you know that were in interventionist uh that that they shouldn't have you know, but, but all of these countries, we as Americans ought to know who we're pledged to defend and who we're not pledged to, to defend. And we ought to make decisions on that. And frankly, I advocate, let's make a decision that we are going to align with countries that are free. Uh, and we're not going to align ourselves with countries that aren't free. And you could see at some point in history, there's some war. Take the World War II. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of breathing going on.
0: Oh, sorry. Yeah, all, all of a sudden I started thinking about New Zealand and Australia and whether maybe we should drop them. So, I mean, the, actually, that was going through my head. You were talking about countries that are free. <laughs> and I'm thinking maybe it's time to
1: drop the ones that aren't free any longer. Well, you can see like World War II, we were aligned with with the Soviet Union. Well, in a wartime situation, I could see a situation where you are aligned with some of these people, but not as allies, not as partners in defense. And the reason I suggest that we ought to embrace such alliances, which is kind of libertarians have always argued against alliances. And I think there is a lot of reasons to be skeptical of NATO. They got all the power to do it themselves. They don't really need the United States of America if they'd step up. And, and so, you know, I, I am, am not that fond of the NATO alliance. And yet at the same time, historically, it hasn't done so badly. Uh, you know, there haven't been a whole lot of wars and, and you've been problematic throughout history. One of the great things about America is, it was just kind of, you know, we were over here and we had oceans separating us from a lot of trouble, uh, maybe separating them from a lot of trouble we might have caused these alliances make sense where it, where you do not want to have one country, you know, we, we could uh, for, and did for decades, dominate the world militarily, but it, but for what purpose? It didn't seem it had anything to do with keeping people free. I mean, sometimes it did, and that's great, but it, it, it wasn't really, uh, designed to say, hey, we're only going to work with countries that are free. And and I think that's the biggest encouragement you can give countries to, to get free. Uh, and, and I think when you look at it, you know, we don't want to have a Europe. We, we wouldn't have liked it had the Nazis taken all of Europe. And that the only way to trade with Europe was kind of to either deal with Hitler or, or his successor, or to somehow sneak around uh, that sort of regime. We wouldn't like in Asia, that's a lot of people and a lot of productive uh, capacity. We wouldn't like it to all be controlled by China. I mean, one of the problems in our world today is that China controls a marketplace of 1.4 billion people that people want access to because they can make a bunch of money. I don't blame them, uh, but, but it's a real problem if that controls too much of the of of people's decision making, and we've seen it from you know corporations all across the board, from Google to the NBA.
0: Your piece on Friday was about Taiwan, and Taiwan is now a, a freer, more democratic nation than most of the ones that we have huge bases in, for instance. And I think the argument from the neocons and the neolibs is that because we've had these relationships with Pakistan and other countries, they've been less tyrannical than they otherwise would be. And that may be the case with Pakistan. I don't really know. I don't know enough pa- about Pakistan, but I do know that our Afghanistan policy was insane and didn't work. Our, our Iraq policy was insane and didn't work. It is uh, And, oh, right, doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. present tense. Uh, yes. And then we have these relationships with countries like Saudi Arabia, which is attacking and been in a massacre war with Yemen for years now that was given the green light by Obama and the Obama-Biden yes. administration. And that's very weird. And we know that Libya, America destroyed Libya. They basically right. just destroyed right. Libya. Right. It was almost as if we're going to have a policy to destroy Libya. And part of my issue with Ukraine is that, to me, America's presence in Ukraine has been as chaotic, if not as goofy, and as awful as Libya. But it's, there's. I mean, it got really strange this week when we learned that there are biological research labs in Ukraine right, by right. The, the U.S. government. That's kind of an interesting thing that the United States has these around the world. I guess it's to protect other countries, but they expressed worry now that they
1: I, I worried that they're over in other countries so that they can do things that might not be legal to do in the United States of America. Like the
0: Wuhan situation.
1: Yes, and our, uh, when our government is putting things overseas to break our own laws, that doesn't seem like that, that doesn't seem like that works, that that's okay. Um, but, but, and, and it's not as if uh, I had someone who, who contacted me about that piece and said, you know, um, you know, it's not like we know that these were, that they were developing bioweapons and so on. And, and of course, I don't think that's what we alleged. Well, that's a Thursday's
0: piece. That's a gain of dysfunction, right?
1: Yes, yes, gain of dysfunction. And uh, it it's the sort of thing where I think what we know for certain is that the government statements about these labs, these biological research labs that were made by Russian folks and, and other folks Uh, that were just completely dismissed as Russian propaganda and disinformation by our government and by the media in lockstep, turns out that there is something there. And, and it may not be that there were people, you know, with blood dripping off their fingers saying, let's destroy mankind, you know, but, but come on. Uh, How much do we, you know, how much, how often do they talk about the Wuhan lab, do they mention that it has now been confirmed that there was a separate at the same, at the same place, the same venue, there is a separate Chinese military biological research lab there. Now again, that not proof that the guy with the blood and the scream—he's going to take over the world and kill everyone—but but isn't that kind of pertinent? And yet, it seems like there's so much, there's so much—not just disinformation, but disinterest in what the heck is going on in this world. And when that disinterest is the people who are supposed to be investigating and reporting on it. That's a big, big, big problem. Uh, Josh Rogan, uh, who's one of the few folks who writes for the Washington Post that I can stand uh, and writes a lot about China, uh, had a great column uh, today. And what what was, I actually remembered to have it opened up. Xi Jinping is Vladimir Putin's co-conspirator in Ukraine. Uh, and that's... Uh, Uh, I can't see the date here. Where is it anyway? It was today or yesterday. It was in today's paper. Uh, They often put them up online long before they deliver the dead tree edition. But um, he was just making the point that we are hearing again and again in the media, you know, kind of trying to read tea leaves about what Xi Jinping is thinking and that you have to be kind of an idiot to not realize that Xi Jinping gave Car blanche to do I mean he's, he's with Putin. Putin waited until right after literally what, how many hours? I mean I don't think it was hundred hours after the end of the Olympics that you know he's he's doing stuff. I guess maybe it's it maybe it, it was more than hours, maybe it was two weeks or something. But it was it, you know all of this, uh, the, the way that the propaganda is going in China. Uh, and, and if I know this, why doesn't, the, why doesn't NBC News know it or some of these other outfits know it? If you read and you pay attention, you know, there are people who are monitoring what's going on in China. Mm-hmm. It's not like you know everything, but you know certain things. And you know that the, what they're saying about Ukraine is very, very pro-Russian. And yet our own media is pretending that, you know, that somehow and that, that somehow, you uh, China hasn't decided, and maybe they'll rein in Russia and so on. Um, These are too authoritarian, really totalitarian. You you don't give Putin totalitarian status because Russia's not competent enough to to really get that. Xi Jinping, I mean, they got guys working overtime to put the total in totalitarian. So I, I see them as more totalitarian, but neither are nice guys. And, and the truth is, unless good people in the world, just like in every home, and every neighborhood, in every city, and every place, unless good people stand up and say, hey, we are going to have some control over this. And we're not going to allow people to have huge amounts of power and everything to be dictated from some dictator. Unless we do that, there's a lot of trouble. And it's just a matter of, I mean, the US has been strong. We haven't had to worry much about it. But my piece on, on Friday, How to Avoid World War III, uh, was a little bit simplistic, but I think I'm onto something. I suggested we should start doing our homework and push ups. And, and as a country, and maybe as individuals, it's not a bad idea in that we've run around for, for decades when we are way beyond others in terms of technology and wealth and other things, and we've promised to defend people and help people, and where those people are free people facing some of the things that free people are facing around the world, and Taiwan comes immediately to mind, and it it came to mind because I had an event where I heard someone, a friend of mine from uh, here in the United States, Sent me something saying, "I, I hear uh, Taiwan got hit with a blackout," and my first thought was, "Oh my goodness, uh, that's the sort of thing that might happen with some cyber attack or something right before an invasion or something." And with Ukraine, and you know, people saying, "Well, you know, this will this will distract the U.S. and Xi Jinping may use this as the opportunity to invade another country and kill a bunch of people." Uh, you know, because that's how they how they feel unification should be um, in a great loving embrace uh, of death, and 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 so you, you don't know when it's going to come, and it just you know it kind of kind of clarifies the mind a little bit when you think about what could happen and what is the United States going to do, and I think there are a lot of people who believe the United States will slap on sanctions. And I think that, you know, I don't think that's gonna quite work with Russia. It's, it, it looks, I mean, we're just weeks in. It looks like it could have some impact. I mean, these are pretty serious sanctions and so on. It looks like fighting them and firing weapons at them and blowing up their tanks and stuff uh, is very effective. Um, So so uh, that's that's something I would advise Um, but but I don't I don't know that you can stop them by sanctions and they're of course getting help from China, which is big help Uh, and China get help from Russia if if they were to invade Taiwan, I don't think sanctions is going to hold together a coalition of free people I mean Japan is free in a sense. That that you know, South Korea is Australia, uh, Taiwan, uh, and and a country like Taiwan coming from a you know a, a, being a, a uh, colony of Japan, where they were actually treated better than they were right after the war when the Nationalist Chinese came over and occupied, and 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 yet coming through forty years of of martial law, totalitarian, fascist disappearances, murders, arrests, if you said the wrong thing, uh, and now a free and vibrant country. These places, and these are hundreds of millions of people that it seems to me are in the balance. And of course, it's easy to think in the United States, well, well, we're not, why would we engage? Except I think if they're in the balance, we're in the balance. I mean, if there's if there's nobody to trade with in, in Europe or Asia, it becomes a little bit of a different planet than it used to be. And, and our safety from our economic wealth, from military power, from a citizenry that is that will stand up and say, hey, you can't do that because we believe we have rights. Because we have been at the top of the political food chain. I'd like to stay there, and I'd like to invite everybody else in the world to come be there, too, at the top of the political freedom food chain. And and I think part of that is to survive this period, Uh, not so much for the United States government to be the reigning government of the world, because that doesn't sound good at all. (laughs) <laughs> it's funny how bad that sounds. Doesn't sound good at all, but not for China, uh, and I'm not even you know Russia. I don't think will get very far. I, I'm I'm my my money's on them not getting very far, uh, but they're worth worrying about because they'll try. They might try. Um, China, I think, is is a is a different matter, and it's uh, it's the sort of thing where that whole. They could tilt things in such a way uh, that we could, that our children, grandchildren, future generations could live in a much different place. We in our, uh, you know, once we ever start getting old uh, in our golden years could live in a, in a different place. And, and part of that would be a little seamless because part of that is the same sort of thought control. What's so frightening to me about China is the degree to which they will gaslight you and control everything that they can possibly control that anyone anywhere in the world can say, and and there's that same impulse not just in the West but in in on my computer in our in our social media conversations.
0: You talk about the tilt. Um, well, I the tilts already happened. Uh, I think. The war started in 2020 with the contagion, and I don't know if the contagion was deliberately leaked or not, but I know that it came packaged in a PSYOP. And the PSYOP, even if it was not intended to turn us into a kind of American version of China, did that. And I know Americans went along with it. We're still under a mask mandate in the stupid state I'm living in, and the only reason we're not going to be in it next week with a mask mandate is because a bunch of kids that you wrote about in Washougal, Washington, it became yes. was the kids in Washington State that pretty much ensured that uh, Inslee nixed the orders that on t- tomorrow the mask mandate comes down.
1: Let's just take a second and and thank those kids. Good kids, good yeah. good uh, arguments. Did the right thing, that's great.
0: Nevertheless, adults went along with a stupid policy for a long time, and they also had lockdowns, and they also hurt the hurt commercial society, and now we're going into inflation, stagflation, and now they're onto this we have the uh embargoes. Uh and that's gonna hurt Americans. We already I, I, I put, right. put seventy five dollars into my tank yesterday.
1: My wife told me that she passed the, there were too many people at the gas pump yesterday, and so she passed it by, and that it cost her an extra dime, a gallon, to uh, wow. go today instead of yesterday. Wow. So it's not it's not just up high, it's going fast.
0: So I think that we've been at war, we didn't know it, and now China, if, and it looks like China has helped and nudged Putin to do this thing with Ukraine, and I think it's strategically Strategically timed, and I think it's—I think you're probably right. I that they're preparing for Taiwan, and they want to destroy American morale against war. Pre, uh, before they do the Taiwan thing, and the way to do that is destroy our economy and make life miserable for us. And the Democrats, Biden and Harris, and the, the, the administration are more than willing to do it because they're nuts they are enviro nuts who believe that we shouldn't be doing gas anyway. And why don't you take a Tesla and an Uber uh, or something? And why are you why do you demand having a car? That's they all believe this kind of nonsense. Yes, you have yes. Stephen and- Colbert with his insane. Uh, desire to have higher gas prices because after all, he could just drive a Tesla or whatever the heck he said. That was a, that's, that's an amazingly Marie Antoinette kind of moment.
1: I don't remember who it was, but somebody said something to the effect of why don't they just get a Tesla? And it's, you know, it's, it's a little pricey for some of us. And Um, it's also not
0: a solution because it doesn't reduce one's costs.
1: That's yeah. That's the other thing. All of this is pretend it's feel good virtue signaling environmentalism not like we don't really want to save the planet we just want to feel like we save the planet oh yeah as as it's going down um we had a piece production it's a gas uh this week where we we mentioned elon musk who you know is is building teslas and uh and came out and said i'm going to paraphrase drill baby drill um said you know it may not help my business but you know, we need more gas. And the truth is this, the Keystone Pipeline to cancel that, you can't just say we're going to cancel all the, the, the entire future. We're never going to have gas again. None of it makes sense. But especially when you are in a world that is on the edge as much as it is. And I will submit to you that we have this huge, dangerous 1.4 billion person country that regularly threatens to invade another country 80 miles across the taiwan strait that country being the republic of china taiwan that produces over 90 percent of the advanced computer chips now if if the u.s and and of course taiwan joined in in saying to russia we're not sending you computer chips, we're not sending you stuff. If Japan, if, if Japan, if China takes uh, Taiwan, you know, there's, they're starting to build a plant in the US and they're building one, I think, in Japan and different. But, you know, that's a real problem. And, and it seems to me, we ought to, that's, it's about doing some pushups and deciding, you know what, maybe we need to be able to have engines where when you turn the key it fires and it goes and it actually takes someone somewhere and when you when you have airplanes that go at you know whatever mock it's kind of important that there's the fuel to let them go this is shooting ourselves constantly in the foot in the head and the keystone pipeline before any of this happened on day one, this is how stupid, on day one, the great virtue signaling was, I'm going to wreck the future of our economy on purpose. That was Biden's getting, you know, canceling the Keystone Pipeline. And of course, he also, and this doesn't get brought up very much, but I suspect if it had happened years ago when the that Trump guy was in, it would have gotten brought up had he done the same thing. He would have been, you know, a, a pawn of Putin. But what else did, did uh, Biden do coming into office? He said, Nord Stream uh, uh, 2 can go ahead, go ahead and pump that natural gas right into uh, Europe. Europe and, you know, it's great that Europe's going to be a client uh, of Russia for, uh, for all their energy needs. Now all of a sudden it's canceled, but you know the the writing was on the wall with all these things. And I think um, if if I were to say when World War II started, two, I'm I'm talking about two. A lot of people would say you know Poland. Uh, In the U.S. they might say Pearl Harbor. That's awfully late. Uh, I think it was September of 31 when uh, Japan moved into Manchuria, and I wonder if they wouldn't say. 20 years from now, if, if this does become something horrible, uh, more horrible, a, a world war, that it started with Crimea. Um, but these are, these are, you know, it, it seems to me that a world in which countries like Ukraine are free is, is a big deal. And, and for Russia, which I don't think is capable of causing much more damage, But the fact that they're there, I mean, they're a bad actor, it seems like to me, everywhere they go. And of course, I I think some people could could point to the U.S. being a bad actor in certain places, not quite as bad. But I think that the the two front nature, like throughout, uh, uh, you know, really since World War II, there's always been talk of this United States being able to fight two wars. uh, And, you know, one in Asia and one in Europe. And, and I, I think that's insanity. And the only the thing that gives me, I think, the most hope about the world kind of making it through this is the fact that uh, all kind of the EU countries have kind of stepped up with Ukraine. It seems to me that there's much more unity about that than, than I expected in Asia, Japan and South Korea and Australia and some of the other countries, the Philippines, standing up and going, hey, you agreed to defend us against China. Look what they're doing. And and, uh, they realize if they don't stand up, it's going to be a different type of world. And that's the best thing going because, you know, the U.S. as superpower bull, uh, running around the world, fighting the Chinese with one hand and the Russians with the other is a dead US and, uh, and we need all these other countries and frankly, they need us. And, and they recognize that, you know, the Japanese are not dumb, the Taiwanese are dumb, uh, South Koreans, they realize, you know, without us, they're in a lot of trouble. And, and so I think there's some mutual benefit that could be had there, uh, but it all, it all comes down to the US being strong and that's not just militarily; it's also strong economically, which is something we're not.
0: We're definitely not strong, uh, and we're not strong spiritually and morally. I think that America is a broken people. Americans are broken, and they've been broken for a while, and they got worse. And I think it's it's. Uh, I hope we can recover. I guess I hope we could recover. I don't really put much stock in it, in America's recovery, because I don't see any. I don't see. People really recovering much, but I could be wrong. All I see is a lot of people going along with a lot of BS, and like like the BS you talked about on Monday. Uh, for a long time,
1: right? The, the they just ignore. story. Yeah, it's, it's it's just an astounding thing. This is just <laughs> huge, and and that's the uh, Dr. John Campbell uh, has has done a number of videos on on medical issues and uh, you know this from the very beginning kind of you know you maybe it was because trump mentioned it so it had to be bad uh but it turns out that it looks like ivermectin is pretty effective Uh, dr campbell who i watch fairly
0: regularly on youtube for the last year he's basically just going on what information he gets so he's changed his mind on a number of subjects and after this piece that you wrote about this piece on um ivermectin and the recent studies on that there was a especially one in brazil that's right it was the brazil one that was impressive
1: is that yes the right? it was like <laughs> uh, uh you know 70 percent of people had improvement
0: yeah but after that he looked at the pfizer he looked at he looked at the the the, the pfizer dump of information recently and uh, he's he's even more aghast at just how manipulated people have been regarding information they don't get information. They don't want information. That is the, certainly the, the the major media isn't covering the story of this Pfizer dump, for instance, this, right. Pfizer, this dump of right. Pfizer, which came out from a FOIA request. If it weren't for Freedom of Information Act laws, we wouldn't have this information. And the FDA was just fine. or was the NIH was just fine with letting this come out only 75 years from now. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted to treat Pfizer uh, mRNA technology like they treated JFK's assassination.
1: <laughs> I, th- that's that's precisely which still isn't all open. Oh, oh, is still not all over. Just so people know, if you go to this is just huge, uh, at this is common on this piece, you also have enough information about these two studies to go look them up for yourself. I just read stories every day where there are huge unanswered questions so little information given and I find people so interested in that information and uh you know we talk about a lot of these medical things we don't know beans about medicine I mean I don't you and you know none of us are saying hey we're we're our expertise on you know uh the human body is so great that that you should listen to us but intelligent people can find out stuff, can understand things, can read, can hear, can debate, can think through. It, that doesn't need to stop. That needs to kick into higher gear. And we, we now have, it seems like so much information available, but this, this kind of uh, spoon feeding of, of you know, just words and not the facts, not the, here's how you ought to feel about it not what actually might have happened and i also one of the things i find so funny is that so much of the newspaper is every day is about what's going to happen now i not know what happened yesterday ah we didn't we weren't able to cover all that but but we can tell you in a hundred years the the oceans are going to be six feet higher you know and it's it's you know i i just would feel better about their predictions if they tell me a little bit about what happened yesterday where i was <laughs>
0: By the way, uh, you know, on, on this question of, you know, expertise and lack of ex- expertise by me, uh, I mean, I am fa- I read a lot of experts. I mean, it's uh, uh, though I rail against experts, I mean, I don't read a lot of non-experts on these things. I read experts. I just read the wrong ones, allegedly. Uh, but, but the other thing is, is that it doesn't take a doctorate in virology or ep- epidemiology to realize there's a dead, stinking rat in your soup. And that's pretty much where where we're at when it comes to modern life, is that the media, major media, CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, these people pretend there's not dead rats around, and then they wonder about the plague. Uh, and then they ascribe it to something else. They ascribe it to, let's say, Trumpians or something. I mean, I mean, I think Trumpians are wrong on a lot of things, and I think Trump was wrong on a lot of things, but they're not responsible for this plague or this war, this war wasn't caused by Trump. This war is caused by a long period of neocon, neolib influence on American policy and this whole weird China thing. We've had a China relationship that's been very peculiar since at least Clinton.
1: Americans are not making money hand over fist in Russia. They are in China and it's and we have had it since the Clintons. Uh, uh, We had Tiananmen Square, and then as if we didn't skip a beat, and we being the elite American government, the deep state and the deep political crap, uh, Clinton, George W, Obama, eh, eh, you know, it's just its just eight years after eight years after eight years of whatever, you know, whatever the Chinese won't be mad at us for, We they get to rule the roost. And, uh, and, 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 it has been a, 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 sleep at the switch. Uh, no, no sense of the danger. And um, I, I don't know, I, I kind of think that, uh, that uh, Trump was, you know, I, I don't know that he, you know, that he sees it at all the way that, that I see it. Uh, I think you know because I, I, I don't. I don't look at China and say, "Oh, they're stealing our jobs." Um, I think all the problem on that on that part, uh, that side of the ledger is on our side, um, but I do see them stealing everything else that's not not tied down, and uh, and I do see them as just hugely dangerous. And I think that uh, Trump standing up to them on trade. Got, uh, got some things going and I think that this, uh, this COVID, this pandemic is just, just showed so many people around the world that you can't quite trust China, even as our media was bending over backwards to pretend none of it was China's fault. And even to this day, um, you know, I've used the term Chi-Nazis a lot because I, we've, we've had this discussion probably on six or eight podcasts, but, uh, but anyway, uh, because I, I, I think they're not communists, I think they're Nazis, and I think it's important for people to recognize what they are, because that's how you figure out what they're going to do next, and, uh, and that's the term that I heard in Hong Kong, that's what they call them, but, uh, but that and on other stuff there's constantly a, uh, uh, and I don't want to offend. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to alert and and uh, and be a catalyst for action. But uh, you know I'm I'm not trying to be a, offensive, and I, I don't think it is offensive. But the the offense is that somehow you're saying something bad about the Chinese. And look, uh, uh, I don't like Putin, and I don't like Russia, meaning the Russian government. I've met a bunch of Russian people. They all seem real nice. Uh, I haven't been anywhere where, I mean, I've I've met people I didn't think were very nice, but I've I've not noticed any countries where that seems to be any more than any other countries uh, in in any like serious way. And and it it just seems to me that, uh, well, I'll, I'll lose my train of thought where I was headed with that.
0: Well, you've covered four pieces that you wrote at this is common sense.org this week. There's a fifth one.
1: Yes, there is.
0: Do you want to talk about that?
1: We should just quickly uh, the politicians and the, uh, and the uh, special interest in Michigan don't deserve more than a few words. Uh, It's very simple. They have a new scam in Michigan where they are going to make term limits shorter and they're going to make them shorter And tougher while they allow people to serve a lot longer and what they're doing is basically you can only serve six years in the house eight years in the senate michigan and then that's over Uh, very few people serve both 14 years that's very rare it's partly because the house is three times the size of the senate so there's not there's not senate seats for all those people to go to Michigan has the most competitive elections in the country. Anytime you look at term limits, what are you trying to do? You're trying to create more competitive elections where they've got to listen to the voters because they're in a competitive election. And term limits has done that in Michigan like nothing else. And yet you never hear anything about that what you hear is, let's make them tougher when it's a scam. And what will happen if they, what they're going to do is have a uh, 12-year overall limit. And what that means is you get elected to the House, and you stay in the House for 12 years. Or you get elected to the Senate, you stay in the Senate for 12 years. So that's a doubling for the House. And a 50% increase in the Senate. And that's, and that's what happens is that Currently, every once in a while, and I don't know what the exact numbers are, uh, I know I'm on the, the board of U.S. term limits and, and uh, they're looking, they're doing a little analysis to see, you know, what percentage. But I know years ago, uh, we did some analysis in California. I think it was 8%, uh, 8 out of 100, hundred, one out of, you know, uh, what is that? 1 out of 12 and a half uh, uh, would, would serve the full time everyone else was serving much less. The average tenure in the House now in Michigan is like four or five years, Uh, in the Senate four or five years, or maybe it's three or four in the House, four or five in the Senate. This passes and the average tenure is gonna be eight and 10 and 12 years. And they're gonna serve in the same seat so that you won't have the most competitive elections. You'll have competitive elections every 10, 12 years.
0: And so it's kind of interesting to watch uh, a bunch of politicians really behave like con artists, uh, promising one thing, but really up to delivering something
1: else. They do it every day. It's a little more obvious when they're doing it on their own behalf, but through so many of the different issues that, that I work on, politicians are making decisions that have, you know, when it comes to campaign finance issues, when it comes to elections and election integrity and and voter rights and everything else, uh, most of the people who are making those decisions are completely self-interested, on the right, on the left, wherever. And the media is incredibly unhelpful. Um, They, I mean, the, the For the People Act that was in, you know, that didn't pass, thank goodness, passed the House, but the Senate stopped it. Uh, thank you, Joe Manchin, Uh, that piece of legislation was never talked about in any program I ever saw on television, in the newspaper, of anything but just this is the most wonderful thing to allow people more voting rights. No real debate or mention of the fact that you were weaponizing the FEC for the first time. You were allowing the Democratic president to basically appoint the the tie-breaking uh, commissioner, and all of a sudden you'd have, you know, TV ads being yanked down and different enforcement actions in the middle of, a, of an election. Uh, you know, the, the FEC is a, a complete mistake to begin with. And people look at it and they think, well, it's, it's kind of designed not to be very effective. Well, thank God. That's the, <laughs> that's the best thing going for the FEC, because if it is effective, it's shutting down speech, and it's whose lawyers get to which judge to decide who can say what, it's a nightmare. And, and we're ready to pass that without ever bothering to even have a discussion with the American people. And, and on term limits, what, what are they hoping? Are they going to go out and campaign for this and explain why this is better? <laughs> not on your life. They're not going to say a word. They're going to hope the ballot title says this makes term limits shorter. Tougher, harder, and it's being pushed by the very people who hate term limits, and the media is basically going to play along, for the most part, the term limit forces the average folks in Michigan, alerted by different groups like US term limits and others uh, don't touch term limits in Michigan, Uh, once they hear this is a scam. I don't think it'll take them, you know, 25 seconds to, to realize, yeah, sounds like a scam. And, and they're not going to be surprised. They're going to be angry. They won't be surprised.
0: Well, we were talking about Michigan voters alert, and that was on the, was it the 9th? That was the
1: Wednesday. Wednesday. Yes. The 9th.
0: Okay. Okay. So very good. Well, that's five pieces.
1: We've avoided world war three so far. So I think my piece has been successful. It's not—it's not 24 hours old yet, but it's been successful thus far. I—I I do think, uh, you know, most people don't know me from the man in the moon, so uh, they don't know—they won't know what a—a a, uh, dove uh, I've been. But I really like—I was telling you the other day. It's like every time I hear a weapon system, I'm thinking, you better buy it, get it. Uh, I do think we, and I'm being a little bit facetious there, uh, we shouldn't willy-nilly buy every weapon system, obviously. We should start worrying about our own defense and our own commitments, and we ought to start seriously thinking uh, about our military position in this world and our economic position at home, because times are coming where, uh, it's not, you know, 1955 and and uh, you know music and big cars with uh, nice fenders and all that kind of stuff. We're in a different world, and I think a, a lot more dangerous world.
0: Well, on that happy note, we can say we've accomplished <laughs> another podcast. Well, the second week of March 2022. All right. You've been listening to this week of Common Sense, starring Paul Jacob. My name is Timothy Verkula. I help Paul every weekend run through the big stories of the week that have appeared on ThisIsCommonSense.org. That's the website that he's been working on since 1999. His program, five days a week, a column, rather short, 250, 300 words, something like that, about all sorts of things, limited government, freedom, responsibility, government transparency. There you go. And his program is Common Sense with Paul Jacob. You can find him on Facebook. And if you have a chance, go to Rumble, make it account count, and give this episode a rumble. You hit a button and it's good for us. You can find this on SoundCloud. You can comment on SoundCloud in the sound file. And, of course, the audio podcast is available from your favorite podcatcher. So there you are. The podcast has ended. Go in peace. <music>